Welcome to another episode of Driving, of driving to the Res. Hurry up, honey. Get the way. I know. You weren't too fast on that last bit. With of your favorite hosts, and Larry and Larry. <laughs> <laughs> you confused me. <laughs> You're <was> fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yes, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> I went fast, I went slow, and I tricked you on the names. You did trick me on the names. I was giving you a test. Well, did I pass? Yes. What was the test? To see how funny you are this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you passed. Flying colors. Well, thank you. Flying colors. Why do they say flying colors? Because colors don't fly. <laughs> Um, let's see. Well, honey, our colors are our flag. Oh, <clears throat> flying so our colors. colors. Our flags are <laughs> flapping in the wind. I know about that because I was in the color guard. Oh, okay. Which was, uh, I was told when a I... colored guard? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you Color said? guard. Color guard? Yes. What does that mean, color guard? When you go to... Boot camp. Is that where they put the engines like you and colored people like me? <laughs> yeah, that's where the brown people go, honey. No. no? no okay, no. no. Okay. Color guard. When you join, when you go to the boot camp, you uh -huh. know what boot camp is, right? Yes. Marching and all that yes. other stuff. Yes. My dad told me, whatever you do, don't volunteer for anything. Don't, don't do what for it? Sorry, you're talking Indian again. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do. Whatever you do. Don't volunteer for anything. Don't volunteer for anything. Got it. Yes. That's volunteer. one trick to get through boot camp. Don't volunteer for anything. Because okay. if you volunteer for something, then you become visible. Oh. One of the tricks to getting through boot camp is to be as invisible, invisible as, as possible. possible. Because you only get out of it. You don't like get out of it with flying colors. Mm -hmm. With flying colors. Right, get right. It? Yeah, got it. You just get, get out. out. You don't like... Get an A plus and get out. No. You don't get an F and get out. You just are done. Yeah. And how much torture is in between? That's pretty much up to you. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not really up to you. <laughs> but it's up to somebody yeah, else. because you gave your power away when you signed yes. your name on the dotted line. Well, yeah, that's guaranteed. I yeah. mean, to the level that you don't understand until you're actually in it. When you're in it, you realize then you realize, oh, dear. <laughs> now I see why they have to threaten you with jail if you quit because yeah. otherwise nobody would stay here <laughs> right 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 well in boot camp we had a thing called color guard and i don't know what happened to me i woke up one morning and i must have had i think i i don't know but the boot camp instructor the di drill instructor he said mm -hmm. all right we need three volunteers for <gasps> color guard oh no and i was like i'll do it Oh, no. And then I realized, uh -oh. what am I thinking? You know what yeah. it meant? Yeah. It meant that now you're visible. Not only was I visible, uh -huh. I had to go be visible in front of other drill instructors. Oh, shoot. In a public way. I, the color is, colors is the flag. I had to go in the morning. Carry the flag. Carry the flag out and run it up the flagpole in perfect uniform without any flaws oh my in front gosh. of all the drill instructors. Oh my gosh, that was dumb. And you polish your shoes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Did on you and enjoy on it? On and on. I have to get up extra early. Did you enjoy it? No, not a bit. Oh man. It was cold. Cause Why you have did to get you volunteer? There. Did you, you not listen to your dad? You have to get there early. No, I didn't, obviously. Obviously. I <laughs> you bet you listened after that. Early. You cannot be late. 
I mean, you're not allowed to be late for anything, but especially not that. Because there's a trumpet that goes... And you have to do it at nighttime, too. It's winter. It's New Jersey. It's freaking cold. And you got to stand out there extra early. In your regular old uniform, not one special one for it's cold out. Oh, my gosh. And you can't move. On and on and on. It was a special device of torture. Oh, my gosh. So I know about colors. Yes, you do. Flying colors. Flying I passed. Colors. I passed that. I did not pass that test with flying <laughs> colors. <laughs> I do not recommend volunteering for, for anything, anything in boot camp. No. Let me just say, I did learn that lesson. I would recommend that you don't volunteer for the armed forces. Period. It well, is I, not a good idea. I thought I wasn't. Do not do it. I thought I was volunteering for the Coast Guard, and I thought that was like you go get on a boat and you jump in the drive around in the surf and you rescue people. Mm. I was wrong. Yes. That was one of the things they're mostly proud of. That you were wrong? Well, they were proud of that, too. Oh. But they were mostly proud of most people who die in wartime come from the Coast Guard. What? How yeah. come? That the make most sense. people, by percentage in the service. I thought it was bullet stoppers in the army. But there's a million soldiers. But there's only like. 10,000 coasties. So like, yeah, by percentages, more likely to die if you're in the Coast Guard than if you're in any other service. How come? Because there's not very many of them, and what they make them do is drive little boats right up rivers with a whole bunch of bullets. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. So there's 50 army guys in the boat, but there's only one (laughs) coastie. And they got to drive the boat up there, and they got to keep driving the boat up there. And the guys, the other guys that got a boat Mm -hmm. ride, they get off the boat. But the Coast Guard guy has to go back and get another group and bring them again and again and again and again. Through the hail of bullets. Yeah. So it doesn't turn out to be the best job. Oh, my goodness. You know, mistakes happen. Yes. I did manage to rectify that one in three years, 11 months, and two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have to wait that long (laughs) to say, no, 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 thanks. You know, interesting about that, though. At the end of the time that I was in, yeah. there were a lot of ways that they had to manipulate you into signing up for more. Ooh. Because they seem to like to keep you once you get they get you. Yeah, of course. You're trained and all that. Yeah. So they um, give you a bonus money, like $50,000. I'm not kidding. Wow. It's, if you're in a, if you have a job training that they like especially, yeah. they'll give you $50,000. If you have one they don't care about, they'll give you still give you $15,000. And this is in the, I don't know, how long ago was that? 80s, 90s? No, I don't. I, I don't know. I wasn't in the Army with you. I mean, mm, in the Coast Guard. You were in the Navy with me. <laughs> Blew up my ship. Excuse me. You took me to the bar and we had a concussion from a bar fight. You in still, that lifetime. Still. I mean, I, I think I should probably have learned my lesson about the services by now. <laughs> it just doesn't work out. <laughs> we just don't work out together. No. I, yeah. But as a couple, we do, right? Oh, yes. Just not as military. Not as military? Not too much, no. No? Do you have any recollections of military that didn't go well? Well, one time I remember sitting up in a trench or something and saying something about it's enough. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that one. And you were involved in that one, too. Yeah, that's right. Well, I actually got you out of there. So yeah, that one so, worked out for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you had like, what's it that called? PTSD, PTSD for the rest of your life in that one. <laughs> I was a bit shell-shocked, as they call yes, it then. Yes, totally shell-shocked for the rest of your life. And then you have... never joined any services after that. So. I did not. And that's why, that's kind of why... You joined the I Coast Guard. the Coast Guard would be okay, because it would like slip through the line. Because I tell you what, there is nothing more comforting than a ship with registration structure and little yes. circle Zs on the doors and... Latches and locks and a whole bunch of people doing what they're supposed to do and keeping yeah. everything clean and going. Yeah, you're right. It's so nice. It's so beautiful. Yeah, my physical body had lifetimes with that and loved it. And when I was little, just mm. as a matter of interest, when I was very small, I, I um, the back of my yard in my house, when my parents' house when I was little, you could see the big ships out in the distance of the um, the port of Valparaiso in Chile. That was a busy port. Very busy. And I would see the big ships and I, w I was always thinking as a child, a very young child from the beginning, um, when I grow up, I'm going to be a sailor. I'm going to go on those ships and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to join the Navy. That's all I talked about all the time. <laughs> and then one day, my brother, who was quite a bit older than me, he said, oh, don't be silly. You can't join the Navy. And I said, why not? Because you're a girl, he said, and girls can't do it. They can't join the Navy. And even if they do, they'll just be on a desk and land. They can't get on the ships. And I was like, what? And I was heartbroken. Heartbroken for days, weeks, or years. Actually, years. Yeah. Well, I couldn't believe it. They did change that because... Oh, obviously, in, now in the Coast they Guard, do. Well, when I was in the Coast Guard, the late, there were lady officers and lady... Not in Chile, there wasn't. Yeah, well, there was in the Coast Guard. But now Guard. they have. They were on the ships and they were driving the ships and doing mm -hmm. all the jobs. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, there is that kind of very comforting memory of a structured ship with those metal doors and, yeah. Well, anyway, also the Coast Guard had the same as the Army. I think the Army actually, Army and the Navy and the Air Force, they give you like way more than $50,000 Wow. to stay in, which just seems like a lot of money. Yeah, but, but it isn't actually. Well, it is. Actually, yes. a lot of money, yeah. Is it? Oh. Especially if you're getting like $500 a, a paycheck month? every month. What? That's not very they much. They don't pay you a whole bunch, but they pay your food and your housing. and I mean, all the money you get is just to play with. So they just you, give you, you a pocket money? You literally show up and whatever it is that you have, you can put it in a bag yeah, and then put it in a locker and never open the locker again. And you don't need to buy anything. You don't need to do anything. You're just... Everything is cared about. Wow. You get new underwear, new t-shirt, new shirts, new shorts, new socks, new shoes. And anytime anything gets a little wore out, you just have some more. So you get taken care of really well. Oh, okay. So that's kind of comforting too. It's kind of nice, especially because they get... So you wanted to be a child forever? Yeah, they let you be a child forever. Okay. But you had enough after three years of being a child? Well, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> because there was a process in order to get along mm -hmm. and it seems counterproductive but you kind of have to turn off your brain yes that, that is essential actually you want to stay in the armed forces do what you're told yes don't do make think. any waves don't think about a better way to do it just do, do it, it the way we've been doing it yeah try to stay between the lines mm -hmm. not try to just do stay it. between yes. the lines yeah, so they have this little um, 
great idea. Somebody come up with an idea is like, if you make a suggestion that saves us some money, we'll split the money that we save with you. <laughs> so you put a lot of ideas. So I put a lot of ideas in there because there's finally and an then they used them it. and they didn't give you no oh, money. Oh, I didn't get they? nothing, but they did use them. Yeah, and somebody else got the money. <gasps> the person that opened the, person the envelope, with the box. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's all corruption, man. Fully corrupt. Anyways, but but the bribe was a good way to get you to re-enlist because that's but you did a good chunk of money. No, it didn't work on me that bribe. The other way they do it is they have a thing. You get a sign a chit thingy with your CO, who's the commanding officer. Okay. And your exo. It's kind of funny because you have a mom and a dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you got to go ask them for permission to get married or to move or, you know, buy a house or a car. Wow. If you want to, like, get a loan, you need to get it approved, things like that. So the lenders in the area mm-hmm. they know that if you loan money to a guy in the service they have to pay you out of their check first that goes right automatically yeah that was before they had automatic payments now mm-hmm. the commanding officer fills out a thing you fill out a thing and whatever your car payment is or house payment is comes right out of your check goes straight to the bank and if you screw up then you get in trouble with your dad yeah <laughs> you can get you can get in a lot of trouble you can even go to jail in the service you know yeah so the tendency is all of a sudden wow they'll give me this new car and my loan is like five years or four years and i only have two years left of service oh. so when two years is up you still have three or four years of loan left and you don't have a job right and the bank says you got to pay this off mm-hmm. but the coast guard says but i'll give you 50 grand Right. And you keep your payments. Yeah, so there's a lot of... Yeah, very lot, financially... Yeah, a lot of pull. Yeah. Then when you go in twice, so you did it for another four years or eight years, then it's only another four or five, eight years, and you can retire. With money for the rest of your life. With money for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. So it's very insidious. Mm. Works well. It's a good process. But it is manipulation of carrot and stick. Yes, carrot and stick. Carrot and stick, which apparently works really good on... Humans. Humans. Does it work good on... It works good on dogs, too. Yeah, sometimes, some dogs. doesn't seem to work so well on cats, although I did see some <laughs> cats get trained pretty good. You yeah. have to find a certain kind of cat. Yeah. A cat that responds to food really good, like Brad. Oh, yeah. We he could definitely be... train dogs. Oh, yeah, we could. You know, all I have to do is walk towards the pantry... Yes. And there's a whole bag full of dried livers. Yes. He will get he trained will, to get this. Oh, yes. He'll wa- he run will. around the wall to get to there right when you open yes. the door. And then when you got one, I've trained him and I'll throw it way over there. Because otherwise he'll stand in the door. Right. And try and get like more, <laughs> more treats. More. more So if I throw one way over there, he'll run like crazy over That's there. That's why I w- today, earlier today, I went into the pantry and he was in there, locked in. Locked. He was waiting for a liver. <laughs> He just he gave up on in. the running in there. He's like, I'll just sleep in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody comes in, you know what to do. Give me a little bit. You know what bit. to do. Yeah. That was quite quite funny. But part of the reason, I mean, there is a purpose to wanting to talk about that a little bit. Can you tell me what the reason is? Well, I think it has to do with human body elementals. Uh-huh. Dogs, cats, crows, whatever. Uh-huh. And army persons. 
Different Why ghost people? person? Change. It has to do with change. Oh my goodness. Body elementals do not like change, period. And Why? a lot of souls don't either. Souls don't either? Some of them. A lot of them. It seems like that's kind of counterproductive since literally the only constant is change. But when we find an environment that we like, we find that it's mostly an environment that doesn't change. Yeah. Why are we so habituated towards not change when change is like the that's that's what it that's I mean most people are doing spiritual work for change not because they want things to stay the same although I remember you had a uh, a warning on the Ascension 101 course and they're still there still there <laughs> it's still there don't expect everything to stay the same Yes. If you're married, you might not be married anymore. If you have a job, you might not have that same job. If you're living in a house, you might be living in a house. We don't know what things If you're single, change. you might get married. <laughs> if you're single, you might get married. We don't know how things will work out yeah. once you start expanding your awareness. Mm -hmm. So is change one of the biggest firewalls, you think? For what? People and their spiritual ascension, expanding awareness, things like that. Um, no, I think fear is. But it could be fear of change. Fear of change. Yeah, well, like change. I noticed with with PB. Yeah. If anything changes in here. Oh my gosh. She really does not like it. She, she doesn't like it. She gets very bit, upset. Bit, per, bit you upset. can't even move a pillow. Right. If you move or a pillow, she get upset. The rounds gas air thing. If that yes. thing slides around, oh my oh, god. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? You're ruining the world. Mm -hmm. It's very very dramatic. It's very dramatic. Same with um, Ronnie. Mm -hmm. You give him a new bath, you change yeah. his water, you clean his floor. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're ruining the whole world. Yeah. You put nice, clean, nice, yummy deliciousness all over the place. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he gets used to it in, I don't know, half a day or so. Yes. But until then, it's a very traumatic environment change, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Do you think that people's resistance to change is partly one of the carrot sticks that the power over others structure uses to manipulate people? Do you have an example? No. I can't really talk to that generality. I need more focus. <laughs> okay, let me think about it for a second. Okay. First of all, can you talk about change? Why are human bodies and animals, is there any being on the planet any that you know of anyway? I mean, not octopuses even. Is there anything that is fine with change, shit changing all the time? No. Why is that? Um, I haven't thought about it, actually. I haven't looked. I know, that's why I was asking about it because I've been looking at it. Mm -hmm. I was did watching come, I was watching Did you come to any conclusions? No. That's why I wanted to ask you. <laughs> but I, I notice it's a fact. And I've a noticed verifiable fact. Yes. And actually I've noticed that I've met thousands of people in my life, thousands upon thousands. Yeah. And I had good deep conversations with a great many of them. And what I've noticed with regards to change was that even the people who say they like change, so they have to, I know of myself, 
and in my family, but particularly me, I would have to change house every two years. And I yep. would change house or in the, within a city or change city or change states or regions. Change, jobs. change No, move, move. Change countries, change continents. Like I've lived in so many countries and in so many houses since I was a, a little kid. And I remember um, being very small and like four, I think it was about four. I can't remember, but it was about that age. And um, and I looked around and I felt claustrophobic in the house, the, my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice house, three bedroom, you know, town, um, suburban house. And um, I went to my mom and I said, mom, when are we moving? When are we moving from here? I can't, I can't live. I've lived here my entire life. That was four, right? Mm-hmm. I've lived here my entire life. We need to move. And she laughs, right? And she says, we're never moving. <gasps> right? And I'm like, what? She says, no, we're <laughs> never moving. So the first time you're going to leave is when you go to university. And I'm like, no, that can't be right. No, we have to move. We, I can't, I've been here all my life. I can't carry on living here. <laughs> so I wanted to move, right? And eventually, yeah, we moved. There was a military coup. We got kicked out. So <laughs> it we wasn't were, by your mom's choice. But no. You did she, she often actually said, oh, you engineered the whole coup in Chile and everything. Just to get us out of there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> of course it's your fault. And um, so anyways, so not everybody has that energy of change that they don't like change. Um, but I have met individuals who do say they like change. That's why they spend like six months in Europe and six months in South America, for example, right? But they go to their houses in each place that are exactly, you know, they don't, that don't change. So it's not actually change. It's like, just a different environment, but it's kind of Maybe the same. Maybe just different scenery, right? Yeah, it's different scenery, yeah. But basically, same life in a different place. Right. The place is maybe changed climate, like warmer or cooler yeah. or more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's really just comfortable. Yeah. I want to change from uncomfortable to comfortable. Right. So they're, they're really not changing. Mm-hmm. They're still attached to that same feeling of comfort, whatever that may be. And... The change, to me, what was a change was to stay in one place for longer than two years, right? Right, for you. And, interestingly enough, when you stay in one place for more than two years, what happens? You get more powerful. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You start connecting with the energies of the location, start merging with the energies of the location, and you become more powerful, mystically speaking, and everything speaking, actually, you become more powerful. Unless you fill yourself with alcohol and drugs, <laughs> and <Oopsie>. you don't, <laughs> then you do not get more powerful because it's a disconnect. Right. But well, change, own... yeah. yeah, it's like it feels to me like physical bodies are going through, especially with a soul in them. But even like other animals that don't have souls, they're just pure physical body elementals. Um. 
like the world, the environment is always changing. We're traveling through space at enormous speeds, you know, so the old physical body elementals feel that and they tend to try to anchor down as much as possible to give them a sense of 3D reality continuity. That, 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 that sort of makes sense because part of the reason that we're basically incarnated in this reality is to enjoy an environment that's stable, mm-hmm. that doesn't change. Yeah. Very like much. minute to minute, day to day is continuous. Yeah. Yeah. It has continuity. Yeah. A to B to C to D, not A to D then C then a, a number two. Right. <laughs> like when you're dreaming, sometimes you're the reality you experience. It's not consecutive, and it's not repeatable, and it's right. not count countable. I mean, you can't buy a house in your dream and go back to it tomorrow night. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people can, but I haven't <laughs> met them. Yeah. Yeah. With skill. Maybe you can do some things that are repeatable, but this yeah. reality has a repeatable day-to-day-to-day experience mm-hmm. of it. The other realities, not necessarily so much so. so. The, one of the examples, right, when people are traveling and then you say, oh, you know, do you miss your own bed? I haven't met anybody who says, no, I don't miss my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we went for our cruise, the nicest part? Because we had boat. our own bed yeah. every day. Yeah. No matter where we went, we still had our own bed. Yes. And our own room. Yeah. It didn't change. The right. scenery changed. We loved that. Yes. It loved waking up to new scenery in our own bed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it wasn't our own bed. Yeah. Well, for that time it was. For that time it was. What about change that we invite? Like we say, I want things to change because I can't take it like this anymore. It's funny, like people say, I want to quit drinking or I want to quit smoking or I want to quit XYZ because they're miserable doing it. And even though they invite that in, most of the time, it's a miserable experience. Yeah. That change, just changing from even something that's no good for you and you don't want to do anymore, still don't want to change it. Right. Even though you want to change it. Right. People, that's, you think that's just the nature of this reality? What? A large part of the bleed through of that, this reality keeps itself um, sequitur, keeps itself um, stable, relatively mm. speaking. So that kind of bleeds through into your the body elemental. Your body elemental. <laughs> Could be. Although with addictions, I think it's not to do with not changing things. And it has more to do with escapism, disconnect, and also attachments by other entities. That's why they say they're fighting their demons. Because addicts usually perceive and sense that there's a bunch of demons. Demons are just low-frequency entities, spirits, um, attached to them, trying to get them to continue the misery, you know, they feed out of misery. Okay, so the part about the power of our other part, one thing I have noticed is when change is forced upon a bunch of people, that it does create chaos. Really? You've noticed that? Yeah. Can you give me an example? Sure. Just say lunch is at noon every day, uh-huh. and guess what? Tomorrow it's not. What do you think's happening at noon? Uh, we're going to the beach instead? That would be us, yeah. But let's say you have a ship full of guys, <laughs> and they're ready for lunch at noon. And oh. the, bell, the bell dings every day at noon. At noon, you stop whatever you're doing, and you go eat. What do you think's going to happen if 
the, the bell, bell rings, and there is no lunch. Lunch is postponed until two. Two. <gasps> it's going to be a lot of snack eating. There's going to be a lot of grumbling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of chaos. There's going to be a lot of upsetness, Arguments. right? Yeah. A couple of fights. Probably, yeah. There'll be people that will sit down and eat their lunch anyways. Yeah. Even if they didn't get no lunch, I'll bring my own then. Yeah. You can't tell me when I can eat. <laughs> Whatever, you know? <laughs> Even though... Even though they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, in a larger planetary way, you know, we can be experiencing a great deal of change, which is creating chaos. So, do you remember? We just listened to Brian Wallace. Do you know who that is? No. Do you know who NBC, NBC is? Yes. Oh, is that him? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't so, know his name, but yeah. Yeah, his name He's is the NBC Wallace. face, right? He's the face the, of NBC. The news, the yeah. NBC Nightly News. Yeah. We've been listening to for 28 years. No, not us, but you know. Yeah. Everyone. And back in the day, which for me is back around 2011. 2009-ish, and before, <laughs> back in the day, you know, he was the face you could count on, and he was the face of what's going on in the world. He'll explain things to you so you understand. Yeah. And you trust him. Yeah. He's a very likable, sincere, you know, NBC Nightly News. I know. Yeah. You just you just trust him. Right. So he, he had a speech. He's quit. He quit his job today. After 28 years or something, mm -hmm. he quit today. Do you remember what he said? Yes. What was your impression? About what? What he said. I was, um, I was happy for him. I think that he's staying in integrity. Um, I felt that he didn't allow or, or divulge in, in righteousness. Um, and he, I felt he was sincere uh -huh. and that he was no longer able to uh, play uh, what the, he was being asked to play, the yeah. role that he was being asked to play. Yeah, it was like he said, this is a line, I will not cross it. Yes. He said that. Yeah, he, he did, yeah. I will not cross it. Right. There's darkness around the edges and it seeped into here, it seeped into here, it's into the everywhere. It's extraordinary speech, actually. Yeah, and it was in the middle of talking about other stuff, and then he said what he wanted to say, and then more stuff. So I think it allowed it to like go out or something because mm -hmm. it was on the news. Right, right. But that was pretty moving. It's mm -hmm. more evidence of things are a changing, and basically he said, "They're burning down, they're the, house burning down the house with all with of us, us in it." it. And I don't said. want nothing to do with that. Yeah. I want. Uh, I like the way. I like the institution. Well, you should be I afraid. Like you should be very afraid. Fire department. <laughs> I like, and you should be very afraid because and what I know them. and I can't say. Mm. But yeah. you can hear what I'm saying. The house. They're going to burn it down, and you're going to be in it. And I don't agree. Yeah. So that kind of change creates a great deal of instability and chaos. That he's no longer in the news every night? Yeah, because we don't have to listen to it anymore. Oh. No, of course not, Hannah. Oh. The house burning down with us in it part. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 
I'm trying to get to the point. Okay, what's your point, honey? The point just, is... Let's just go to the point, because I'm done. <laughs> All right. What can we do to help ourselves, our human elemental body, or maybe our dog or a crow or a cat or our family or whomever it is that we're to help um, not get so frazzled by change, you know? Okay, Things so change. do you know what frazzled by change is? I'm guessing it's fear. Yes. Jeez, I get A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you're going to suggest. I know, right? I wonder too. Can you, do you want to give it a guess? I suspect, I suspect that probably the most useful thing that you can do for yourself is to process your fear around change. Exactly, yes. And what you might do to help your friends or your family who are open and receptive is teach them how to process their fear around change. Yeah, just send them the link to the fear processing exercise text that's in inelibens.com. And how would they word it? If they were like doing a fear processing around change, I mean, how would you literally process your fear around change? You look for it, fear of change, you scan your body for it and look for it until you find it. And what might it look like or find like? Each person is going to be different. And your experience? So for some people, it's going to be like a, a, a light in their shoulder or in your back. Oh. Or or a metal bar in their stomach, or it could be like a black ball of fire in oh. front of their face, or it could be a feet, just a pure feeling. It could be um, an like a word. It could be like visual of an animal or a person. Each person is very particular and specific about it. But what I try to say is like the feeling. Where is it? Where's your feeling of fear of change? And that's so the person always finds them, right? And if they say, no, I can't find it, but even though they know they're afraid of change, is keep saying, I can't find it, that's a firewall. And then you use a firewalls exercise that you can also find that in elevens.com. Okay. So let's say you say, everybody who's listening, say, look for the fear of change in your body and they find some of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's in my knee. Oh, it's in my stomach. It's this not. Oh, it's this color. Oh, it feels like getting a thingy on my shoulder. Or, or just the fear. Uh, just a, it's just a fear. I'm just afraid. Yeah, just I'm afraid. just afraid. I'm just afraid. Yeah. And that feels like afraid. Yeah. So even though they go to the website, can we yes. do like a 10 second one? No. A one second one? Uh-uh. Go to the website? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there might be people driving. While they're listening to our podcast. Okay, well, you I'm don't want to say put them in this. a process and not get them out of that process. Okay, so I think <laughs> I think I'm going to say this. Okay, if you checked your body and you found some fear, uh-huh. go to the website and finish this process. Yes, for sure. Because if we start the process and we don't finish it, or we start the process and you don't finish it, uh-huh. or we start the process and you get interrupted, or we start the process and we end up talking about kittens instead. Mm-hmm. What will happen to you is what happened to me. The what other happened day. to you to the other day? Well, you you started a process on me because <laughs> we were in a we were doing class. a class, and I was the subject for a moment, just for a moment. <laughs> and we're like, oh, what about if you blah blah blah? Sort of like we're doing right now. Yeah. It's like for example, 
And your for example was actual. Yes. Actually was present. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so I didn't know either. But I was listening and going along. And then we stopped and we went and had lunch. Or dinner or a snack or something. Remember? Yeah. It was dinner. Yeah. We got back to finish our class. And I'm sitting there. It's not like midnight or anything. It's like five. I didn't eat a ton. I'm not like got food coma or nothing. I just had a little snack because I fed everybody else and there wasn't enough food left. <laughs> I had you cooked want me enough. That? I, went, I had cooked enough for everyone that I thought would be there plus a couple extra. But we've got we a lot had more a people. lot extra yeah. just out of random, random Arrivals, whatever. Yeah. So I didn't really eat. Mm-hmm. I wasn't super hungry and mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a chocolate tea or something. Yeah. And then I sat down for us to finish the class and my head starts spinning. My R's, my your R's, my R's, <laughs> not my arse, <laughs> my R's eyes, your, your eyes. <laughs> my eyes started going crisscrossed. Yeah, it's like, very funny. Looking I'm looking out my eyes straight ahead, and this one on one side starts going over here, and this one's going over there. They're not like. Listen, I saw you. Oh, oh, the process had finished. <laughs> I was feeling. Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Like I'm searching, I'm searching, I can't figure this out. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it'll pass. So anyway, yeah, I was looking at you, and you said, "Honey, what's wrong?" No, I didn't. I says, "Oops, we left the process unfinished." <laughs> well, that's it's well known with the, a lot of processing methodologies and even psychology uh, that when a person starts like falling asleep, it's because they were in the middle of something and it was just dropped, and they were it's like a a disconnect or something, you know? Right. Uh, because and my theory, I haven't check to see if anybody has done any research around it but my theory is that the not the natural way in which a human person integrates information or um you know heals up and like finishes a process which is a healing part of healing right the natural way is for the body to fall asleep and while you're asleep you heal and you can become complete and you integrate things and that's why it's my theory, but like I said, I haven't researched it. I haven't done any experiments. But it feels to me that that's why the person, and it's so well known among different methodologies, that the person becomes extremely sleepy if you leave him in the middle of a process because naturally the person will try and complete it by falling asleep. Oh. Interesting. Because I do, I do recall we did get to finishing it. And then and we were fine. As soon as it was finished, I was wide awake. Yep. I wasn't uh, trying to fall asleep. My eyes didn't crisscross. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fascinating. Yeah. So that's why we're not going to do it. Yeah. Right. So, on the other hand, I do highly suggest that you do this. Even if you think, oh, I ain't afraid of change. I don't got no fear. I'm not worried. I'm not nothing. I like change. Change mm-hmm. is my best friend. Do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. do it for the sake of having, like, you got to change the oil in your car once in a while. Just yeah. process that that potential that fear could exist. It could sneak in. Yeah. Because I think it's one of the bigger tools they use it now. Because they're yeah. if they're going to have, if they're going to burn the house down with you in it, <laughs> that's going to be a lot of change. Yeah. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of people who will say, I, I'm afraid of nothing. Right, I, I don't have that. any fears. I said that. Too. So, if the person, if you're one of those individuals, what I would do is I would 
uh, process stress instead of using the word fear, use the word stress. Yeah, okay. It's a good way to, I think the word is uh, circumnavigate firewalls too. Yeah. Change the word. Yeah, because, stress. yeah. Stress. Well, it's not fear processing, it's a stress processing there exercise. There you go. Yeah. Do you have stress in Stress your, in your related body? to change, stress related to whatever. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Stress. So, in other words, get clever. Mm-hmm. Be clever. Yeah. Not like me in 2001. What happened in 2001? Ooh, Larry. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. I'm super fascinated and interested in your awakening process. So, you said it started in so 2001, right? In 2001, right? most people on the planet know what happened. There was this. I was driving to Seattle to visit my dad. He was flying to Vegas for a toner cartridge um, conference. I don't, I know, I know. A toner? Who goes to a toner cartridge conference a in toner Vegas? toner cartridge. Toner, yes. like a printer toner? Yeah, like a printer toner cartridge. Okay. Well, the printer toner fillers of America have a conference in Vegas every year. Okay. And all the people who love filling up printer cartridges, uh-huh. they go hang out together. Wow. Talk about inks and, you know, drums and I guess they probably do other stuff too. Okay. So he is flying there and that's our opportunity to visit him because he would stop in Seattle on his way down, usually not necessarily by choice, but because, you know, you have layover (laughs) (laughs) between flights. Then we go visit him there for a little while. So I was driving to visit him and I was getting across, you know, where the Elwap Bridge is, honey? Yes. It's a really tall bridge. Yes, it is. I was on that bridge, and then the news said, something like that. Uh-huh. There was an airplane that ran into a building in New York City, the Twin Tower. One airplane. I was like, well, that's strange. Yeah, very strange. I guess not that strange. I was wondering. I mean, it's bound to happen. The things are so tall. Right. Didn't seem that far out of the ordinary. Uh-huh. And actually, they were built with getting hit by a jet airplane in mind. That's our design. Uh-huh. So if one hit him, it wouldn't hurt nothing. Right. That was specifically designed in it, but yeah. I didn't know that at the time. Okay. All I knew was, oh, it mashed into it? That's crazy. I wonder what that looks like. Yeah. Morbid curiosity, you know. Right. And then not long after, I heard on the same radio, I said, another one hit the other building. I'm like, mm. oh, shit. That's <laughs> probably not uh, accident. An accident, yeah. That might be on purpose then. Who would do that on purpose? I couldn't think of who could possibly want to do that on purpose. So the government told you. Yeah, I was thinking there and thinking there and thinking there and called my dad and he said, well, doesn't look like we're getting on the plane because they grounded all the flights. It's like, oh, just because they hit buildings in New York? Why would they do that? You're not <laughs> going anywhere near New York. That makes no sense. And then a little while later, the funniest thing happened. What? They found a passport laying on the street by the building. Mm. And it had a terrorist in it. The, the passport had a terrorist in it. Yeah, terrorist in it. Uh-huh. And here's his passport to prove it. Okay. And you and believed at the it? Time, at the time, I thought, man, that is such good police to be able to find that passport on the street. You thought that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they caught him that fast. That's a freaking miracle, man. Wow, you thought that, huh? Yeah. One side of my brain was thinking, how the come they wouldn't know he was on it anyway? Pretty much you have to buy a ticket with your name on it. 
Mm-hmm. Like, surprise, surprise, this guy named that is on the airplane. Mm-hmm. And if it's in a passport, that means he is a terrorist. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but Plus that... also, if the, ex- the plane exploded so hot and burned everything so hot that he melted a, a building, but a passport made of paper survived that. I thought at the time that that was really remarkable luck. <laughs> we are so lucky that we got this evidence. <laughs> okay. Because it's going to tie him to for sure. Yeah. Like, they won't get away with it. They won't get away with it now. Yeah. And then they won't get away with it now's righteousness got satisfied by let's go bomb the crap out of... Somewhere. Where are we going? Yeah. They, what? Yeah. Okay. If that's where they are, let's go bomb them. I don't understand at the time even. Why? Because somebody happens to be there that you go bomb that country. Right. Because it's not the country that did it, it's the guy, right? Right, exactly. But oh, whatever, we'll bomb them. Oh, and this other one too? Yeah. They don't even have nothing to do with it, but we're going to go. Yeah, let's get them to hell with it. We're here anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually in the Coast Guard at the time too. Oh, you were? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't remember how it worked. Something about desert, Desert Storm or something. Okay. I was um, working on a ship. Yeah, this must have been after. Mm. After that. Maybe that's why I joined the damn Coast Guard. Really? No, because it no. was after. Okay. I'm getting things confused. Yeah. See, so, that's what happens. Yeah. All of the whole events all jumbled together Mark, with yeah, another event do. and another event and another event. But despite all that. Despite it all. Despite all that, when that happened, I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker, even though I had doubts and wonders. Uh The doubts and the wonders were satisfied with... The life. With, wow, that's amazing. They found a passport on the ground. Wow, they already identified who did it. That's so fast. I thought it was going to take longer. Wow, you know, these were like, wows. They weren't like, bullshit. They were, wow. Yeah. Because I believed in the institutions, of course. Mm -hmm. I was... uh, well indoctrinated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, oh yeah, I mean, you were still a little bit indoctrinated when we started going out together. Yes, <laughs> more than a little. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that was two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. I think all the way up until ten, mm-hmm. I still bought it all, and I still. Believe it all, probably. So what changed? And you one when, day yeah. something changed. What happened? Well, one of the things was it was Project Camelot, I think, mm-hmm. and there was a video. You were on a video. I had been becoming interested in. Hmm. It definitely had something to do with 9-11. It was like the architects of 9-11 Truth or the pilots of 9-11 mm-hmm. Truth saying something's not right because mm-hmm. this shouldn't happen. And the logic of it from the organization was enough for me to say, wait a minute, maybe you're right. Mm-hmm. And then I look into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking into it, I started to fall into a rabbit hole of so much stuff that I was got, I got kind of almost overwhelmed, you know. Mm-hmm. And in that overwhelmed state, I was more agitated than satisfied. Mm. And um, I found some strange people, too, yeah. who were telling all kinds of weird stories. Like what? That I'd say, well, they'd be channelers and things like that. Oh, okay. They'd say this and that and the other's going to happen on this and that and the other day. Uh-huh. 
and this and that and the other was going on because of this and that and the other. And I'd say, that's a fascinating, excellent story. I like it a lot. <laughs> I can't wait to see that happen. And then mm-hmm. nothing would happen. Oh, man. And then they would say, well, it got delayed because X, Y, Z, you know. Oh, yeah, I heard those before. And so at some point, I my frustration with as much as I like this, mm-hmm. it isn't working. It isn't coming out to be true. And as much as I believe that this isn't making sense, it's still... That it doesn't make sense that either. That it doesn't make sense either. I mean, I'm kind of like mm-hmm. at a loss. Mm-hmm. And then I did see a um, Camelot interview with you in it. And it was like all of a sudden, I could see. I think for it was a Avalon, moment, not Camelot. Whatever, Project Avalon. Yeah. It was a video, and you were in it for about an hour and a half or two. And while I was watching it, I had the feeling of I can trust you 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 are being sincere and not lying and making up a story you're being real mm-hmm. and it wasn't like so much the words you said but the energy kind of i felt you know mm-hmm. yeah so i felt like there is a way to see through this i think that might have been the inner energy mm-hmm. which was it is possible to perceive what's true yeah so like my way of describing it was there is a raging raging river around me and you represented a rock in the middle of the stream. I could stand on that rock and watch the stream and not get it in it. Right. So it was a bit of that. And one thing led to another after that. I mean, after that, it was like something changed and what used to work doesn't work anymore on me. The brainwash mm. trick, the the spray of change stuff, the, I don't know what. There was still stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you noticed, probably mm-hmm. when we got together, I still had resistances and issues and programs and things like that. But I wasn't so gullible, I'll just say that. Right, right. What changed? Why does it, why does it work and then stop working? And does it ever start working again? In other words, can you take the red pill, then take the blue pill later? <laughs> Uh, to take the blue pill later, you would have to be like, go, like, work really hard. Uh, you'd have to go on drugs, make, become an addict, maybe an alcoholic. And, you know, you'd have to work really hard to get that back on that blue pill. I would almost think that you would have to just not care because About I don't it. think that you could not not see. You could. You could go blind again, but okay. it would take a lot of work. Lots of drugs, maybe a ton of Prozac as well, or a lot of pharmaceuticals, a lot of alcohol, a lot of other drugs, and a lot of television, mainstream television, a lot of it, 24-7. And then you probably will go back to that. Oh, yeah, and don't forget, you would also need to get jabbed quite a few times. Yes, that would do it. I remember doing the Ascension 101 exercise and I was doing it in my bunk on my boat and I remember my perception was that in my altered state, uh, what do we call it? Um, Expanded state of awareness? Yeah, I had a body uh-huh. and my body was laying there uh-huh. and I thought it was looking up, uh-huh. but all I could see was dark, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then I felt and I heard you say, 
Um, I can't remember the words right now. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Yeah, that was the words. <laughs> <laughs> I said, open my eyes. And then I did. And I still didn't see very much. And then I felt your fingers under my chin and I lift my head up. And they're like, oh, shit. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Literally walking around with my head down and my eyes shut. Yeah. An astral body type thing. Yeah. I do remember that. So that's, I think, what changed. <laughs> you open your eyes, basically. Yeah. And lifted, exactly. your, lifted your head up and look. Mm -hmm. Just look. Now, I mean, it's might feel like it's swung completely other way where I don't believe anything they say unless I can somehow prove it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but as I assume, basically, they haven't given me any evidence that they're doing anything but lying. And the only truth is whatever truth might sell the lie better. Right. Right. The inverse world. Yeah. Anyway, it is possible to close your eyes and put your head back down. Like I said, you'd have to work real hard at it. Really hard. It's not likely. No. Good. So anybody who's had the experience... Brain of, damage works too. Brain damage works too. Did you try that? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a rather traumatic ways to get it to go back. Yeah. Yeah, not worth it. No. Well, the thing is that... If you have an expanded sense of awareness, you're conscious of your choices, and you can also are more aware, and if you train yourself with the truthing exercise, mm -hmm. right, from, again, you, I teach that in aliabens.com, go there and find it. You train yourself with that, you can actually, when people talk to you, when people say things, even if it's a tiny little sentence, your entire body tells you that is true or that is not true. Right. instantly it's like and you know oh my god that person's lying you know like yeah it's instantly. like that you just know it you, you just, just know, know it. it yeah and then even if you know it and you want to double check because sometimes it's your ego that's saying they're lying mm -hmm. right then you go in and and test it word by word with your physical body and you will know the truth you will get to the truth for sure cool well, i guess mm -hmm. you could use your pendulum for that kind of thing too huh mm-hmm you can. We were listening to the um, um, crypto coin fella on a podcast yes. on the drive. And remember, he picked, I don't know if you heard this part, he had 10 crypto things that he was trying to decide between how to pick. Which one should I pick? Which one should I pick? Which is the one for me? Because he had done all this research and at <laughs> the end of it, he had 10 of them and he needed just to settle on one. Okay. He wanted to focus on one. So he wrote all 10 of them on a piece of paper different pieces of paper, put mm -hmm. them in a bag. He didn't pick one randomly. He went in the bag and felt each paper mm. till he could feel a difference if but, there was yeah. one that would stick out. And he found one that stuck out. Nice. And he did it two or three times, and it was the same one. And then that wasn't enough for him. So he used his pendulum on them too. And he pendulumed them, each one of them. Yes, no kind of thing. This one, this one, this one. And watched the swings, and he found the one. It was the same one. So he bought it, and he got a 40X or something on that one. Nice. He said, I wouldn't buy it today, but at the time, that was the right choice. But right. now I don't know that it's the right choice. But it worked. Yep. Truth and works. Truth and works. Methods works. The Wu Wei works, too. Mm -hmm. 
But when you're in that state of open awareness, you allow data in other ways than just just your ears. Yes. Your third eye, maybe? Mm-hmm. Third eye. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. yeah. So what changed my perception of reality was... I. See, this is a this is a part where I a little bit confused because to open that door to seeing everything differently means everything changes. It does, yeah. And change is very very difficult People, yeah. for human bodies to go for. Mm -hmm. So what what brings a person to that point that they're ready for that level of change? Because literally, there isn't anything in my life that's the same from that day. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's not worse. It's, it's better, a lot better, yeah. Much better, better. But it is different. Every literal thing changed. Everything changed. Even the my shoe sizes changed. Yep. Yeah. Even yeah. Now you're muscular and you used to be like really skinny. Everything changed. Yeah. <laughs> so can you explain that a little bit? What brings you to that, despite that means everything changes and your fear of that much change? Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's the kind of thing that's coming in the world is everybody has to reach, has to become able to maneuver that type of level of change. Yes, for sure. I, like we talked about before, um, we do the fear processing exercise on it. And I can't say it enough times. That's the most important exercise that you can do these days. I think that's what changed it. The first thing you taught and the first thing you said you didn't say, go do Ascension 101. You said, do the fear processing exercise. Yeah. And of course I said, well, I don't have any fears. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so anybody, everybody, go do it. Go yeah. do it. And with this massive change that we're going through right now, I mean, it's big. It's big. Getting ready, December, January, February, March, April. And we're going to be talking about it on the on the eighteenth, right, of this month, uh, December twenty twenty one. Yep. We're having a live call. We're going to talk about all the things we can talk publicly in the first hour, and then the second hour is going to be for Walk with Me Now members. So if you haven't joined yet and you want to go in depth and talk about the stuff that we can't talk about publicly, uh, go ahead and join the second part by joining Walk with Me Now. And also what's happening right now, something that IBEN's Academy has been working diligently to put out because it's key right now, again, we're in that moment. When this whole pandemic thing began, uh, the IBEN's Academy, we put out something called the Emergency Series. Mm -hmm. And it was all about how to rearrange your life so that you don't suffer through these changes so that you're able to stay at home and work from home. It's a completely different culture, and it taught you how to do it, uh, both generally speaking, and energetically speaking, mystically speaking, spiritually speaking, expanding your awareness, right, in all these areas, so that you can do really well in this period of time with change, and also other things about what was happening uh, with the, the the whole pandemic thing. And um, 
And then it's been a year and a half, nearly two years now, right? Maybe about a year and a half or just over it, um, that this has been going on. It was supposed to be two weeks or something. Two weeks. And it's still there. And we put it out, this emergency series, because we knew it wasn't going to go away after two weeks, right? So we knew it was like a permanent change for a lot of people and a lot of things. And um, so we're putting out the the series again, and this time with student participation, with facilitation, and you're going to be meeting with me directly as well. So you have any questions, you can talk to me directly. And also, um, we are, so that, that's being launched right now. You need to go to ibensacademy.com to get it, to get the, this new lecture series. Well, it's the same lecture series, but we added a new lecture to mm. it. And the new lecture is called All About the Jab. Good idea. Because when we set it out, even though I talked about it, it was very possible that they would do something like this, right? It was all theoretical, right? We didn't know what they were going to do. So here it is, what they've done, why they've done it, and what you can do about it. Right? How do you go through this period? Especially with all the changes that you've been talking about. How do we deal with those changes? Right. right? And also with regards to um, the split, because it's all about the split and how to deal with people, with work, with education, with transport, with masks, with everything else that this massive structural change that's happening on the planet, um, how to deal with all that change and uh, in a way that you're going to live in a happy, content, supported and supportive way. This is what we want. It's not survival. No. We're not into survival. We're into really flourishing and thriving. And basically, in this lecture and all these, all of the lectures, that's exactly what I teach you. How to flourish throughout all of this pandemic thing and all the changes that are happening on the planet. Because that's what we want. We want happy, awake, aware, expanded awareness, people empowered people that's what we want i agree mm-hmm. those are the right people to make the world that i want to live in exactly with. yeah so those I've are the people s- i want to meet yeah ivansacademy.com get your emergency lectures now and i do believe that uh for the next few days it's going to have a a massive discount i think oh, it's okay. yeah cool. it's like tons of money off i think you might actually be able to get it a huge percentage off That'd be good. for the next few days because we really want it to go out there. We want, really want people to complete this this emergency series of lectures. That would have probably made, remember that um, post that I sent you from Cedar, the lady with the pacemaker? No. I sent you a Oh, the story, pacemaker. The pacemaker. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, Cedar. A story. She's a, a lady I... I met, I've known of her for, you know, a decade or so. Mm-hmm. I think she was involved in the channeling stuff and mm-hmm. she had a blog and she did all of the awakening stuff and she's, mm, I don't know, 60s, 70s, something like that. I she think she said she was in her 70s. She has a pacemaker and she had it put in a decade or so ago and it has a 10 year life or whatever mm-hmm. and it had one month left and then the battery would be dead. And when the battery in your pacemaker dies, You're, you die. Yeah. 
So she was a bit upset. Of course. Because she wants to go get her battery changed and no her doctor or hospital, they wouldn't let her change her um Going battery. to the hospital. They wouldn't let her go in and get her battery changed because she wouldn't get a shot. Yep. And so she's like doing everything she can try to get exemptions and this and that and the other. And they said, oh. we're not going to do it. I don't care what. If you don't get a vaccine, we're not going to change your battery and you can die. Mm-hmm. Because we won't risk everybody else's health. Whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So she she was beside herself. Yeah. And then she wrote a letter to all of the people, you know, her tribe basically. Yeah. All the people that she works with and talks to. And she did all this empowerment work and all that. And explained the situation that she doesn't know what she can do now because... In a month, she's going to die unless she gets a shot. And she doesn't want to get the shot, but she's not going to voluntarily die, you know? Mm -hmm. In her mind, it was was a certain death versus a maybe death. I think that was where where she ended up. And despite everything that she said, she's going to go. She made an appointment. She's going to go get her shot. And then somebody, I think, told her, well, have you tried XYZ, like calling a different doctor? Mm -hmm. And she did. She did call a different doctor. And he was, um, what was the word? Oh, he was uh, Indian, uh, from like India Indian. Mm-hmm. And he was a devotee of one of the... The gods there? Gods, guru gods there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was an interesting experience for her because when she talked to him, he wasn't going to let her either. I couldn't use the hospital or something in Canada. I don't know. They won't let him in the hospital. But... They did some kind of work with that um, Indian god. Mm-hmm. And it turned out she got an extra year on her battery life because she had misinterpreted when it was due. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like going to Changed get her it. shot the very mm-hmm. next day, but she found out she got a bonus a year. year. She said, well, in a year, everything's going to be different. Yep. I don't have to go get a shot to go get this battery fixed hell with it thank you whatever god that was for helping me see the light (laughs) so she's not getting a shot and she's not getting her battery changed and it's not going to run out but the experience that she had you know that was that was bordering the free will one right violating your free will no because she decided the choice right well no she she had to choose yeah and she she did. Choosing, she had to do it herself. She was choosing, well, yeah. I have to change the battery or I'm going to die in her mind, right? Yeah. So it's a fear. Yeah. But she needed to but change also, her battery or die. But she, I think, it's like, oh, there's not only one place in the whole world that will change that battery, right. for example. Right. She could come to a different country and get her battery swapped. Yep. That doesn't make you have to do that. Yeah. Right? Exactly, yeah. So... My point is, is that if she had done the emergency lecture series, if she found herself in a jam like that, her chin would be up and her eyes would be open to see more possibilities, more choices, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it was an interesting story. And, you know, it's nice that she, she managed to God. navigate <laughs> it, but it was because and she, she had a helpful was open God. <laughs> to her tribe and their yeah. suggestions and their help. She did try. And her god had her back. <laughs> and those Indian gods got your back. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
last thing I wanted to um, talk about, and maybe we'll do it next time, is chronic splinteritis. Oh, yeah, we need to talk about that for an hour. <laughs> that was hilarious, yeah. If you want to get a head start on what chronic splinteritis is, you can listen to Phoenix Aurelius talk with Dr. Cowan. Yes. They had a nice hour chat. Okay. And I, I enjoyed that chat because, well, I've listened to Dr. Cohen quite a few times. I read mm -hmm. his books, you know, Cosmic Heart. I don't know if you remember the story of how I even found Dr. Cohen. Do you remember? Yes, it wasn't about your dad when he had yeah. his stroke. My dad no, had a heart no, attack. heart attack, no, stroke. He had a widowmaker heart attack. Yeah. And fortunately for him, he, um, he had his heart attack while he and his wife were watching TV. And he was right next to her, yeah. and she called nine one one, and the, the police happened to, happened to be driving down their street at that moment. At that moment, so he was there within thirty seconds, seconds. or something. Yeah. And the ambulance came very, very shortly after because it happened to be returning from a call, <laughs> and it was also right by their street. Yeah. And so he got to the hospital really fast. But while he was in the hospital, you know, it's an interesting experience because. Mm, they have protocols in the hospital and they have um, structure that they've play, placed in there. Mm -hmm. You have to follow the structure and don't deviate from, mm -hmm. things like that. And I was, it's funny, at at that point, mm -hmm. if you haven't done any research, you feel a bit powerless. And you and, trust them. And you trust that what they say has right. worked over time. You trust that the system they have in place is for healing. For, it's for healing. They've experimented over time. They've found that these are the treatments that bring an outcome good, that's yeah. superior. So do this, do this, do this, do this. And then while you're sitting there, um, if, if I suppose you were, if it were me in 2001, I think probably sit there for a little while, then go to the bar and then get drunk and use that as your excuse <laughs> for, you know, having a beer because <laughs> you feel sad or scared or. Yeah upset or whatever and then go to bed pass out wake up in the morning go back and check on him again get spun up a little bit and go drink some more beer or yeah. whatever you know right but from a head up and eyes open state i said well you're doing this and that and the other thing let me check that stuff mm -hmm. so i started to do some research right yeah and i found much of the stuff yes and some of the stuff no, no. and some of the stuff <laughs> wait a minute yeah and some of the stuff none Maybe for some, not for others, but you need to consider this and that and the other. Yeah. And so as I started to interact with them, I found that most of them had no idea about any of the stuff that I had found. They weren't curious even. Yeah. They just know that if it's they practical. do this and they do this, they don't get in trouble. Right. And then some of them were like people and they had a job and their job was like 10 people. And so if they give all of them some of this um, stuff in their IV, they'll sleep and they don't cause no trouble and they don't try and pull out their little breather tubes and all that. Right. And then they get through the night faster and then tomorrow comes and they don't have to do anything. Yeah. But also I found that if you give people those uh, drugs that keeps them sleeping all night long and they don't try and wake up and take their breathing tubes out, that their breathing tube might not never come out and they die. Yes, exactly. So it's like you can't give them that. Don't give them that. So mm -hmm. it's like it had to be there to tell them no. Right. And even though you tell them no, they still come and try to do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, because do. it's a different person every night or mm -hmm. whatever. At the end of it all, the end of the experience, I had a much more skepticism of the system 
and I understand how regimental it was. Yeah. And it wasn't for a health reason. It was for insurance reason. <laughs> At the time, I thought it was insurance reason. But yeah. it's it's for a, even more darker reasons. But despite <laughs> all of that, well, my dad woke up from his thing and I was telling him about yeah. all this stuff because he was kind of asleep a little bit yes. about it, you know. And he said, well, you should read this book, Cosmic Heart by Dr. Cohen. Human Heart, Cosmic Heart. Mm-hmm. I think that's the title of it. And I said, what? What? <laughs> It's like, human heart, cosmic heart, that sounds pretty woo for for you, but okay, I'll check it out. And then I got it. I didn't read it because I thought, <laughs> he's suggesting it, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. You know, listening to your dad, apparently, like in boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the boot camp memory. I was like, oh, well, maybe I better give it a look because <laughs> he was definitely right about boot camp. <laughs> and I, I, oh, I opened that book and my entire medical reality shifted yeah, again amazing. 180 degrees yeah. because nothing that i had learned was true anymore even the most basic assumption the heart pumps your blood pumps your blood is not False. true yeah easily shown factually not true yeah so he he brought dr cohen to my life and i i think the funniest thing about this story it's like he never like, read the book. <laughs> I said, geez, Dad, did you read that book? That book you suggested is so good, I can't believe it. He said, oh, no. I just suggested it because of the title on it. I thought that was something you'd like because <laughs> you like weird shit. <laughs> well, you were so right. funny. Oh, my God. It cracked me up so yeah. much. Oh, my God. So then I've been on a mission to try and get him to read the damn book that he told me to read because it was so good. Yeah. And, of course, uh, I don't think he has. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny the funniest thing isn't it yeah. so yeah anyway give it a listen if you uh, if you can find it shouldn't be too hard Phoenix Aurelius he's a spaghetti what's that word spaghetti Spaghetti. Spaghetics? he's a spaghetti alchemical a spaghetti alchemist <laughs> alchemist <laughs> spaghetti yeah something like that he's an alchemist yes and we're butchering his word yes I'm pretty sure it's not his word but uh, but it might be. It might be. <laughs> yes. He has a club, a spaghetti club. Yes, he's a spaghetti club. Yeah. <laughs> you get four <laughs> bottles of spaghetti sauce. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, alchemical stuff. Comes in a school. box. It's I don't know what it is, school. but I think it's um, different mixes of this is that and the other things. Uh, I haven't tried it. I'm not recommending or not recommending it. We don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not absolutely good. sure about all of his stuff, yeah. but his interview. With Dr. Cohen was good. out of the ballpark great. Mm-hmm. Because it's sometimes true that when you're talking to somebody, they can get you to answer things that you hadn't thought to even ask. ask. Yeah, that's right. right. And in this case, Dr. And Cohen was splendid about it. Yes. So the questions that you weren't even thinking about asking, I think you forgot a little bit of your story in the hospital. Because when I arrived... Oh, yeah. I arrived in the hospital and you and your stepmom were sitting next to your dad oh. and, a, and a nurse walked in with an injection with a, an injection thing to put into his IV and I said, what's in it? What is, what's in that? Yes. And she said, oh, it's such and such. I said, oh, well, don't put it in there. I'm going to Google it first. Remember? Mm-hmm. And I got on my phone and I started researching it. I said, how much are you putting in? Oh, it's in here in the chart. I have to put in X, Y, Z. And I said, well, don't. 
and you and your stepmom just stared at me with your mouth open and she said oh but um it's it's a protocol blah 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 blah. i said no you're not going to do that right you're not going to do that how much did you put earlier and how many hours ago so much okay that's enough for the entire night don't put any more in there and before you do you ask us you ask for permission. You do not have permission to put anything in there without asking us. Not that, nor any other medicine. And you're going to tell me exactly what other things are in this cocktail. And then she started giving us the list. She brought a list and she gave us the list and started researching it right there. Because you guys were sitting there and didn't even question what she was giving your dad. But after that, yeah. Yes. Because it's like exactly what you just said. You don't even know... What you haven't asked, or what you you should be questioning. Don't even know. You don't even, even know what you should be questioning. Nope. Right? Thank you, honey. Yeah. So that's a learning. I mm-hmm. think that's a learning. It's a very important learning. And after that, nothing went past you, like zero. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, you've been there for the entire many weeks it was. That's what saved his life. That's what did it. I have because the protocols like they were going for, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't good. It was going no. the other way. Yeah, it was going the other way. Mm-hmm. Even the doctor said to us, like have nobody, he said before he actually woke up, he says, I've got to tell you that no one, you know, the 20 years I've been working here, the protocol, this protocol has been used X amount of times, uh, years, no one has come out of it. So just I prepare yourself. anyone wake up from this. Nobody has woken up from this. So be prepare yourselves. And we looked at him and says, well, this is going to be your first time then. And he just, <laughs> well, no one has. And he left. And when he did wake up and got better, we told him, we can, you can never say that again. No, don't do You that. can never say that again because now you have somebody who actually did wake up from it and walked out of here. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. But no, the reason why I'm pointing that out about the hospital is because even if you're awake, aware and everything else, sometimes when you go into a situation that is like a hospital, we had a recent like friend who died from exactly that, right? The protocol is I'm so sick, I'm going to go into hospital and I'm going to accept their treatment. When we knew that was going to kill him, right? We knew it without question. Yeah, we knew it without question. Why? Because we've done all that research. But even... Many, many people who are awake, aware, and working on themselves and know this is all BS and everything with the pandemic and all the other stuff, even Still. they sometimes fall for the, I'm going to go to the hospital, it's not related, I've got a broken leg or I've got a heart attack, a stroke, whatever. I go into hospital for the treatment and you fall for it because you think that that one is okay and that they know what they're doing when in fact they don't. They're just pumping uh, chemicals, right? And I'm saying, yes, they did save his life because, like, the the type of medicine, they put him under surgery, they fixed his heart, right, and all these things. But then there's the drug part of it. And remember the other thing, the other time we were in hospital with your mom, and the nurse said, "I I was taught that pain was a vital sign and that you had to bring it down. You had to bring down the pain. It was important. And I said, he said, she said, I, I can't sleep with myself knowing that I gave oxycotton to so many people and now they're addicted and sleeping, living in the streets. Yep. Like he, she said that. Yeah, she did. Said, and I thought I was doing, I thought I was saving lives. I thought I was doing the best for them. Yep. Right. She said that. And it's, so it's not like it's 
bizarre or weird or whatever. But it's like, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you just fall for that type of thing because you really believe that they know what they're doing or they know better. But don't take that word for it. Research everything. Research it. If you have to go to hospital, go to hospital. But don't accept anything in blind faith. You research it. You have your phones. You can, you know, research a go and look for the names of every single chemical that they're going to put in your body or in in somebody you love. Research it and make sure that all of the all of them know. No, you don't give them anything without express permission from me. Good. Right. Advice. Yeah, and the other thing, like when we were at the hospital with your mom, one of the things that I told them, I said, Larry is the only person who has permission to tell you what to do. He's the the only person here in this entire family who can tell you what to do about his mom. You're not to listen to anybody else. I don't care who they are, even his sister, his brother, no one. And why? Why did I say that? Because um, they had massive open doors. Exactly. And they would have been exploited. Exactly. They would have been completely exploited. Horrible things, right? Because they're both addicts. So... That's why, and, and the, the doctors and nurses say, okay, yeah, we got it. They said, we can bring you proof. We got the will, right? Go bring you proof if you need it. And I think we might have had to. I think, I think we did bring it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, but even, even if we don't, even between having to bring it in, I think actually we had to bring it in afterwards, but even between that time, if you put it in with authority, they will, until they're proven wrong, they cannot go against it, right? So when you go into hospitals or whatever, you really, really need to research everything and be informed. So that, that's, anyways, that's a, a <laughs> yes. lesson. Be informed. Learn. Be informed. Inform yourself about everything. One thing I did find in that process also. Which one? The hospital process mm-hmm. and the intensive care process and the emergency medicine process and all of mm-hmm. that is that, um, again, along the same lines of what you don't know, you don't even know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know. If you well, don't you have someone to help you, like I had with you helping me, mm-hmm. there's uh, the places online you can hire people to help you. There's a thing like, it's the one I looked at was called intensivecarehotline.com. Mm. And as a nurse, uh, you know, a nurse who's retired from critical care, and he knows what goes on in the hospital, intensive care, and the pressures that are placed on people there. Right. And the motives of insurance companies and everything else, and he knows how to navigate the intensive care system. Mm -hmm. So you can hire him to be on a call with you, sit in on the meetings, and make sure that, you know, like you said, no medicine goes into them unless I approve it first. Exactly. And he knows what the medicines do and what they're good. for and why. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go in blind. You can mm-hmm. hire someone who's an expert right, to help you. Yeah. But even if you don't can afford it, can't afford it. It doesn't cost enough to not afford it. Right. But even if you can't or you don't have access to that person in your country, you have your phone, you have the internet, you research every, you ca- research. every chemical, right? Yeah. You research it. Period. Period. End of story. End of story, yeah. Okay. 
I feel pretty complete. How about me you? too. <laughs> Rent over. <laughs> Rent over. Now listen. <laughs> now listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> I love you, honey. I love you too, darling.